Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 14 years, 13 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was five, and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and corporate coaching team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Hello, friends. Thanks so much for being with us today. Um, Okay, before we get started, I just want to share that we have launched our One Mission Mindset course, and it has been really fun to see the students going through it and hear their feedback so far. If you are interested in understanding a little bit more about maybe what your purpose is and aligning your daily habits to that purpose, we really highly recommend that you check that out. Um, You can find it on our our website, lovetheprocess.com, and there is more information there. Of course, you can always reach out if you have any questions. Yep, reach out. John and I, anytime. Facebook or website or Instagram, Instagram, direct direct messenger or whatever. Yeah, where? Yeah, get at us. (laughs) Okay, we have a guest with us today, and I am so excited for our guest. So our friend Hendrik Garretts is with us, and Hendrik and I grew up together, and I actually haven't seen his face for a very long time, and we are on a Zoom call right now, and it's really fun to see him, and it's really fun to have him here, Um, but I grew up in a small town called Gillette, Wyoming, and that is where Hendrik also grew up. Um, but actually we didn't have any family there. And so the Garrett's really became family for us. And so we spent a lot of holidays together. We spent a lot of summers camping together and we just have a lot of really, a lot of skiing in the winter. Gosh, we've done a lot of things. We have a lot of really fond memories. And so I am very excited to introduce and welcome Hendrik to our podcast. Um, Hendrik, if you could just give us a little intro into who you are and what you love. Sure. Um, my name's Hendrik. I'm a dad of two. I have two young daughters, one six, one two. I live in Queens, New York, and I work at Museum of Arts and Design. Uh, my background, my work background has mostly been around exhibition design and production. Uh, most recently, I got a promotion at the museum, so now I oversee the operations, facilities, security, registrar, exhibitions, and IT departments. So kind of a uh, all the all the departments had handled the problems and figure it out. Um, I've been there for almost seven years now, and I'm an avid runner. Getting back into rock climbing, um, I try to make New York feel as much like Wyoming as is possible. It's <laughs> often a stretch, <laughs> but I try to keep that that outdoor experience alive and. Um, I'm just so um, I'm really pleased and honored to be on this podcast. So thanks so much for inviting me. And it's wonderful to see your face, Adrian. So good to see you. Yeah. So um, I reached out to Hendrik because I saw a video that he had posted on his Facebook. And about a year ago, right? About a year ago? Yep. About a year ago, Hendrik donated his kidney to a stranger. And he has this just amazing story around this. So Hendrik, why don't you tell a little bit about, let's just start like at the very beginning, like how did this even, how did this even happen? Sure. Um, So it was 2019. It was January. So about this time and uh, but two years ago now, and I was just, you know, I was in that January funk and I was coming back from work and I was on the crowded subway 
And I just found myself getting way too deep and involved and preoccupied with the, the fever pitch politics and the, the division. And um, I'd spun myself out about a few of those things as well. And um, it just had, I felt like it sort of consumed me to a certain degree. And I was looking for just something big to change it up. And I'd heard stories, you know, here and there, I'm an avid podcast listener. And I'd heard stories about people being bone marrow donors. So I'd signed up for the Be The Match service to uh, be a donor there, but um, it's rare that you get the call. Um, and I was listening to one of my favorite storytelling podcasts called Risk. And uh, this woman was telling her story about being a, uh, a kidney donor. So she had a friend who needed a kidney and she offered to give her a kidney to that friend, but then found out uh, through the process that she wasn't a perfect match. And so the, the friend's mom ended up donating to her and she got to see the, the, the way that her friend was completely transformed. Her friend went from being, you know, virtually on death's doorstep, hardly able to do anything, and then got her mom's kidney and just like that was a brand new person again, and then went on to have a kid and this full life. And she was so moved by seeing the process, she felt, she was like, you know, I got myself psyched up to donate my kidney and then it didn't work out and I still want to do it. And she found out about the uh, being a non-directed donor. So it's either called a non-directed donor or an altruistic donor. But all it means is that you're a healthy person who wants to get rid of their spare kidney and you have no one in mind to give it to. <laughs> so um, she went to her local hospital. You go through a series of tests. Um, she got matched up with a stranger and she went in and donated her kidney and she set off a chain reaction of donations. Um, so if you are giving your kidney to a stranger, it's uh, more than likely going to go to the paired donor exchange. And what that means, that's a network of people who need a kidney and they've found somebody in their life who wants to give them a kidney, but they're not a perfect match. And so they go into the system and register and their friend or loved one will say, well, if my loved one gets a kidney, I'll donate my kidney down the line to a stranger. And by that series of chain donations down the line, it can just multiply and multiply the effects in the world. And this, this woman, her name's Christine Gentry, she donated her kidney and it set off a chain of 26 pair, uh, 26 people switching kidneys down the line. Wow. Um, just, I, I had never heard a more moving story in my life. And I just was overwhelmed with this sense that um, I, this was something that I could do and that I should do. And I went through the list of people I knew in my head and I couldn't come up with a single person who I thought was better positioned to do this. And I was in, I, I love donating blood. I try to give as much as I can. So I'm already kind of like um, predisposed to, I guess the whole, concept of giving part of your body away. <laughs> and um, so I, I looked up the National Kidney uh, 
it's a national kidney registry. So you go to their website and they just have an online questionnaire and it's just a health screening. And it's basically just trying to make sure you're not overweight, you don't have high blood pressure, you're in general good health and you don't have a family history of kidney disease. If you pass that questionnaire, then you get another questionnaire. After that questionnaire, uh, that screening, uh, then they welcome you to, to uh, take a urine test and a blood test. And then once that screening just verifies that your kidney levels are good. And then when you pass that, uh, you get welcomed to come in for a full day screening at the hospital. So I took a while to make up my mind about that next step. I went home and talked to my wife about it. Um, she, she was surprisingly and wonderfully completely on board. And I think she just knows the kind of person that I am. I get like an idea in my head and I'm kind of pretty focused on that idea. And, um, you know, I worked out a plan with how it, it seemed like it might be feasible. And so I went in for the full day screening at the hospital. It involves, um, I, you, you meet with a therapist to make sure that you're not crazy. <laughs> you meet with a <laughs> social worker to make sure no one's paying you for this kidney. You meet with a nephrologist to make sure your kidney's healthy. They do a, a CT scan. Uh, they do more blood work. Uh, they really do give you a full once over, right? So if you walk out of that hospital that day, you know you're in tip-top shape. Um, and then uh, if you're all cleared, they give you one year to walk away and think about it. And they encourage you to go and take a long, hard think about it. Because once you come back and you sign the paperwork and you say, I'm ready to go, um, that's really like the point of no return. Because then they try to find a match and then you get that person's hopes up and you really don't want to turn that train back around. So um, I reached out to a lot of people in my life um, that I knew of or friends of friends who had donated kidneys to friends or family members. I did a lot of research and I felt better and better about the situation. So I went back to the hospital, told them I was ready in, I, I went back in in September to sign the paperwork saying, I'm ready, take my kidney, give it to a stranger. And unbeknownst to me, um, around that same time, uh, the person who would end up being my recipient uh, came to the same hospital. She lives up in around the, uh, uh, she's close to Albany, I think. She's somewhere in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. um, and she uh, had had just, an incredible life story. So when she was six, um, she experienced total kidney failure, uh, which meant um, she uh, had to be on dialysis at age six, which you, your parents, you can just imagine how difficult and crushing that must have been. Uh, fortunately, she found a kidney through a deceased donor. Um, and completely turned her life around and she was able to live a normal life until I think age 18, um, when her donated kidney uh, started to fail. And um, deceased donor kidneys tend to last a little, uh, don't last as long as living donors, just because whatever ended up causing that person to die usually damages the kidneys. There's more time where the kidneys out of the body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, here's this person, 
she's just about to get her life started. She's, you know, just starting school. She's got everything going on. And then all of a sudden, this nightmare comes back and her life is turned upside down. She has to drop out of school, stop working. And every night she has to go hook up to a dialysis machine and she can't leave her room for nine hours. She's just hooked up and at her bedside for nine hours every day. And the, and as, and then even after that, she has very restrictive diet and has very low energy and is just basically able to get by. She went to the hospital up by her initially, and they told her that she um, would, she was such a hard match that she probably wouldn't get a kidney. And part of that was because um, when you get a transplant, you're sensitized to more blood types. And so her immune system had a very low tolerance. There was just this thin band left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm O negative, which uh, there are a lot of O's out there. There are far less, far fewer O negatives, but O negatives are the most, are the universal blood type, right? So we, we play nicely with everyone. Universal donor, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's, that ended up being what she needed. And so um, uh, up around her, she couldn't find what she wanted. Then she came down to New York and they said, well, even down here where there's a lot more, a lot more people dying and giving up their organs in New York, you'd still probably wait six years, which can be a death sentence. Like it's just dialysis can extend your life, but it's a waiting game and it can't go on forever. And so they encouraged her to, f- to find someone in her life who she might not be compatible with who would go into the paired donor exchange. And she, the woman she found who volunteered in her life, I believe is her ex-boyfriend's mom, <laughs> who she'd been living with at the time while she was doing dialysis. And um, her name's Tracy. And so Tracy and Callie came down to the hospital I was at. And I think they signed up two to four weeks before I did. And when they signed up, they said, well, now that you have a paired donor, this is still, your odds are a lot better, but you should expect to wait at least two years, if not more. Well, then I walked through the door a month later, signed my papers and she was matched. She heard that she matched with someone after waiting two months. So from her side felt like a complete miracle. From my side, I I still, you know, I'm just donating to a stranger. So when they first match you, they just tell you, uh, they told me it was a woman who was 21 years old who lived on the East Coast. That's all. That's all I get. But I tell you what, I uh, I should back up too. Sorry. Before they tell you that, you go in and you get vials of blood, and they send your blood around the country, crisscross, doing matchmaking. Right? They're doing like blood matchmaking, figuring out who I. Uh, get along best with. And so I get matched with Callie. I don't know who she is, but I get this phone call during my lunch hour at work. And my my donor coordinator told me that I was matched with a 21-year-old woman on the East Coast. And I just um, completely, I just broke down sobbing. It was incredible. I mean, you go go into this program and um, you're you know, you, you know, you're helping a stranger, but it's so, um, 
it's so amorphous. And then as soon as I heard that information, it just coalesced into a, a person for me. Mm-hmm. And I I got the call right before I was supposed to go back into the museum. I was out on my lunch hour. And, <laughs> um, and I walked into the building and a bunch of my coworkers, uh, they said, what's wrong, Hendrick? They were, they were worried something was wrong. And um, I hadn't told any of them what I was planning on doing <laughs> until this point. So I just, there in the lobby of the museum, laid it all on them and said, you know, I'm doing this crazy thing. I'm giving away my kidney. And it's a, a you know, it, it's a 21 year old woman and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help save her life. It's gonna be incredible. <laughs> um, it was a little embarrassing. I got myself, someone escorted me out of the lobby. <laughs> and then there was, I think, uh, about four weeks to prepare. I had my mom come out and my dad was supposed to be out here too. He hit some travel snafus, but um, my mom was part of the kidney support team so she could help with the kids and help take care of me. And, you know, when you donate to a stranger, they they, they uh, prep you to... Um, Prepare yourself to possibly not meet your recipient for a few reasons. One, you have no idea what they're going through. And also they have somebody else in their life who's donating a kidney on their behalf. You know, there's already a sense of obligation there. Maybe they don't want to double that sense of obligation. Uh, Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So they encourage you to write a card and put a card in an envelope and they'll send it along in the box with your kidney over to the person. <laughs> um, and I wake up from surgery. And the first thing I hear is um, my mom and my wife, uh, you know, I'm just coming out of anesthesia. And they said, she's here. She's here. And she wants to meet you. She wants to meet you right away. And so what happened was my mom and Lumen were in the waiting room. And there was only one other group of people in the waiting room. And the hospital was supposed to keep us anonymous from each other, but they weren't doing a very good job. (laughs) Because because Lumen was like hearing what they were saying and they were talking about, oh, the the kidney's doing really well. She's doing great. And so Lumen and my mom went over and Lumen's like, well, I'm just curious, what are you here for? And they said, I've 38-year-old man just gave his kidney to my granddaughter. And, you know, and they were comparing notes. And Lumen and my mom were like, well, that that sounds like our Hendrick. And they they realized the connection. And there was a lot of crying and hugging. Um, and then it was determined as soon as the both of us woke up, we'd meet each other, which we did in the hospital. And yeah. It was, so that was about a year ago. And, um, you know, I was back to running 10 days after getting out of the hospital. I was back to rock climbing four weeks out of getting out of the hospital and um, my energy levels back and um, don't even miss, you know, I I can't even tell I'm missing a kidney. Everything's back. Um, I have a tiny, tiny little incision next to my belly button. and, And now I have this, incredible experience about helping someone in that way that's amazing yeah it's a beautiful story um so I feel like something that keeps coming to my mind is I feel like people get sort of an inkling or feeling that they're supposed to do something how Mm -hmm. did how did you have the courage to actually take that step a lot of people get the inkling but a lot of people don't do anything about it 
How did you get the courage? I, I don't know. I, I, I relate to that feeling. I, I think that's me a lot. I mean, I, I think it was partially a feeling of being in a rut and just wanting to finally do something. And I like big challenges. I like big challenges that have a long process to them. And I, I don't know what to say other than I felt just possessed with this idea. Um, and I, I think the other thing that was really helpful about it too, is that I could take baby steps. Mm. Like if someone had come to me and said, will you commit to giving your kidney to this stranger? I'd say, no way. Like, I can't get their hopes up. I don't want to know who that, like, it's too much. But when I looked it up and I did the research, I was like, well, a health questionnaire, that doesn't hurt anything. So I did that one and then I did the next one and then a blood test that doesn't. And I kept calling the the donor uh, center, just saying like, if I do this next part, like I'm not, like I'm not committed yet, right? So it was just like a series of baby steps. Um, And then I slowly talked about the idea with more and more friends, which is part of my process. It's like an accountability structure right? Um, I mean, I needed a bit of, it was a permission structure and an accountability structure. So I told my closest first, told my family. I had a lot of work to do with my mom initially. She really did not like the idea at first. (laughs) (laughs) But part of, and and some of my closest friends were very concerned also. you know, look, it's a major surgery, so it's not without risks. But part of what I did there is I just looked up things that I was already doing, like rock climbing is not the safest thing in the world. No one gives me a hard time about doing that. And from what I could tell, donating your kidney was safer than going rock climbing. And then I also looked up uh, triathlons. Um, you know, I had a, one of my best friends, uh, I've done a lot of triathlons with him and he was very concerned. And I looked up the first triathlon he and I did together, the New York city triathlon, two people died in our first triathlon that we did together. So I looked up studies. I almost did actually the only one that I've done. I, it was I, a sprint. It, it, no, it was an Olympic. Yeah. Was an Olympic. yeah. So that's what I've done. Olympics. Yeah. I could Dumbo <laughs> yeah. because I was in Haiti and I said yes to a guy who was on a flyer like you. He's like, oh, I want to do a Olympic triathlon. No Sounds open, so easy. No open water swim prep. And uh, Oh, no. There. They, I mean, the good thing they had the regatta around me, but I got out of the water. I got a spike. And the lady didn't think there was any way it was going to happen. And somehow I finished. But anyway, I've got a couple of things. I mean, this is – yeah. Done crying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is one of the greatest stories I've heard in a long time. Okay. And I talk to people all the time. And yeah. one of the things that strikes me as great is that you got to this place and, 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 and you just described it so well. I was in a rut. I, I was almost obsessed with just the, these, these things that were out of my control, maybe, you know, yeah or in America or in your city or whatever. And, um, and you, you got to a place where you said, how can I make a difference? And I think we're so, we're so inundated right now with a a lot of people trying to make a point and not enough people trying to make a difference. And, and, and then you went all in 
And yeah, there was a process. You described it well. And by the way, Henrik is far more, he's got a Columbia degree. He ran at Columbia. <laughs> he's, not, he's, so his, he's the smart, one of the smartest guests we've had too. But you know, um, they don't let like guys like me into Columbia. But, um, but the fact of the matter is like you were in a place where you're like, I want to make a difference. I was just talking to somebody today. And, and so I've got another thing. I literally just came in to my, uh, a gal that works for me uh, has a friend. And this literally just came in, in um, on Tuesday. And, and I wasn't even on my radar. We were, we were going to be talking about this uh, today when this came in. Uh, but she's, she's needing a kidney. And uh, uh, she doesn't have much time left. You talked about the dialysis. So uh, the question to me was, could we share it on our company social media? I'm like, <laughs> absolutely. But I, I didn't know much about this process. Uh, this is an amazing woman. She doesn't have much time left. She doesn't find a donor. And so her Facebook post uh on monday it looks like says hey family and friends so i need a kidney like y'all as like asap if you know anybody that would like to get tested please have them go to the website and fill out a quick name and email and they will contact you thank you in advance for even trying and so that's through the university of washington i believe uw.donorscreen.org so my question would be how is the process i mean you've described it in your case yeah this get this particular gal like what is yeah. the avenues well so so many things so i i got chills hearing you read that just imagining what's going on with her um i mean try to put yourself in her shoes you have no other option someone's got to step up i mean beautiful yeah she's got a family yep yep i i mean so someone's got to step up or she's gonna die Yep. And put yourself in her shoes that imagine having to ask the world for something that feels so big. I mean, I think a lot of people have a hard time asking for help with just small things. And this thing's big, right? But it turns out it's very doable, not for everyone. And it, it and and this whole and donating your kidney, I want to be clear, it's not for everyone. But um if your listeners hear this and it even occurs to them that they might be able to do this, I, I think you're in a small minority of people. There aren't many people out there whose first initial thought is, oh, I might be able to do that. So if you think to yourself, I might be able to do that, I really encourage you to reach out to this woman or to somebody else in your life and start the step that they keep you very safe in the process. So I wasn't donating to a particular person, so I didn't have the burden of letting that person down. But I, I think people's probably what would make me most reticent is I wouldn't want to get this woman's hopes up and then maybe I change my mind or for whatever reason, I just can't do it. But the donor coordinator centers are so good at handling this. So they want to make the process slow, baby steps um, that put you in the driver's seat. And the best part is like, let's say someone, they say, what the heck, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to call up the Washington Donor Center and see if I'm a match. So they go in there. First, they get a health screening and they'll talk to a coordinator and a therapist and a social worker. And if 
in those interviews, they say, look, honestly, I'm really on the fence about this. I'm not even sure I want the person to know if I'm a match. They'll hold that information back. Or if they tell the person that they're a match, and then a month later you say, you know what, I just decided like if this were next year, maybe, but I can't do it right now. They'll call up the, the potential recipient and say, something happened, some health issue. Like they, they keep all the information confidential and they protect you. So they, they, want to, they want to lower the barriers for people to consider it. And so for people to consider helping out this woman who's got a family, she's got a son, she's got a husband, for someone to consider helping her, there's really not, not much skin in the game initially, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, and every, all big things start with just the first step. Um, and, you know, I, from my experience, you know, donating a kidney, there's a lot of people out there who they're, they're very concerned about you. They don't want you to get hurt, but the fact is it's a very safe surgery. Um, I, it, you know, doing a triathlon, is, it's twice as likely that you'll die doing a triathlon than donating your kidney. And that's not to mention all the training you do for the triathlon before. If you play football, I have to believe that football is more dangerous than donating a kidney. Um, and the long-term prognosis, you can look up these studies for yourself, but they do not, there's no change in your expect in your life expectancy after donating a kidney. And why is that? Well, they only let you donate a kidney if you should be donating a kidney. So they're going to evaluate your kidney function, your family history, and they're gonna make sure that you're um, gonna be okay on the other side of this thing. Um, That's so and what, what is the need currently in the United States? Do you know, I mean, how many? It's, yeah. it's thousands, uh, I, I wanna say, I know it's in the tens of thousands and I think it's in the hundreds of thousands. So it's, um, it's a huge need. Um, so, you know, more than likely there's someone out there, if they don't have a friend or a family member, they probably have a friend of a friend or a close acquaintance who is, if they don't need one now, they're going to need one soon. One other thing I want to point out. So I believe that if you donate to a, a loved one, like you would be doing in this situation, um, they also give you the added benefit as the donor. They say, look, if for some reason you need a kidney down the line, um, you'll get expedited on the, on, the, um, on the waiting list. You'll get bumped to the top of the list. Mm. And um, another thing people tell me uh, w when I was first talking to people about this, they said, what if you need your other kidney? Mm -hmm. But the fact is uh, kidneys, almost never go bad by one. It's like you got two, and if there's a disease or some underlying condition, it almost always affects both. So the idea of needing two instead of one doesn't really hold water. The only time, the only situation where I would regret having donated my kidney is if I got an acute injury to my remaining kidney. So if someone stabbed me or shot me, or I, you know, there'd have to be a very specific physical injury that hurt that kidney and not the other one. Mm 
Hmm. Um, and as a person who donated to a stranger, they have an additional benefit. So if you're a non-directed donor, not only would I be on the the prioritized on the waiting list if I needed a kidney, but I was able to secure, uh, they give you five kidney vouchers to give to, you can only give it to immediate and close family. So my wife, both my daughters, my nephew and my niece all have kidney vouchers with the National Kidney Registry. And what that means is, you know, if my daughter down the road needs a kidney, boom, she's on the top of the list. And I got to tell you, that's better than saving your kidney in reserve for your kids, because it's not all to, it's not certain at all that A, your kidney will match your kids, and B, that when you're an old geezer, when your daughter needs a kidney, that you'll be healthy. And, you know, th there's so much uncertainty there, but these kidney vouchers, those are in the bank, right? Yeah. So. So that, that's what helped get my mom onto the other side of this crazy process. Yeah, because there was something radical about that. Yet I, I think it helped to win her over that there was something in it for our family as well. It wasn't just only giving, it helped it feel like a, a little bit reciprocal. So. Mm. That's awesome. So you're... You're, what, what percent? I'm just curious. So, like, if, if I go get tested, uh, and for this gal or whatever, um, or for this gal, and I go through the if I went through the process, or anybody listening goes through the process, what percentage would they match? What is the likelihood of her of them matching? Like, what is is it is it like a flip of a coin? Is it one in 10? Is it like what are kind of the odds? I think it all depends on their blood type. So if if that woman's O, blood type O, it's gonna be a harder match because already I think 60 to 70% of the population is disqualified out of the gate. And the match is uh, more specific than just blood type. So blood types like the, uh, the widest goalpost to get through. You have and to get there's right? and then there's further antigens that tighten it up. And some people can be like a close match, which means your kidney will work, but they'll have to be on more uh, immunosuppressant drugs for that kidney to survive for longer. In my case, with my recipient, so she was considered a hundred on a scale zero being the easiest to match and a hundred being the most difficult. Like she was on the side of the scale where it might just be impossible. And then by some miracle, she and I not only matched, but we were like a perfect match. So it, um, it's, so your question, it's, it, it's so hard to say. I think on your side, like if you know that you have blood type O or even better O negative, um, there's a much more likely chance that uh, that you'll match. Uh, but then, you know, you also, if you want to support someone in your life that you're not a match for, you can also just become a paired donor, which has the benefit of helping that person. And then you also get to feel like a hero in somebody else's life because then your kidney goes to a stranger down the line and you may find yourself in this, this relay of life that crisscrosses the country. Um, 
the sense of connection that I feel with humanity was an awakening for me. I mean, I really, um, I mean, I am not a religious person, but, um, but I, it, it, it was a profound experience um, and has, and it's also something that I circle back to, you know, moments of stress or anxiety. It's such a visceral reminder of how the same we are, you know, I, 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 and I try to think about that whenever I'm getting upset with someone or I have an agreement, disagreement with someone, just that we're all, we're all made out of the same stuff, you know? Wow. That's just, I mean, it's just an amazing sense of connection with humanity. Um, you know, you, you beat me to the follow-up question that, that I certainly had on on making a difference is as you took this action, you went through this process and you decided to do this. Um, and this is a big, it's a big thing. Uh, how, how can we increase, you know, one at a time, certainly this gal and I'm finding out her blood type by text right now as we speak, but like, how do we, what's the route of increasing awareness? What are the, what are the vehicles in which people can, you, certainly we want to tell your story and we're excited to do that in any way we can. And I think your story, Henrik, is, is well articulated of the possibility of, of doing something for someone else and getting a sense of relief from this kind of consumption with self or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or, yeah. you know, the, the self pity or whatever that it, just yeah. was bad. And you, you were mentioning, I mean, I, I remember 10 years ago, I'm like, Adrian, if it rains like this again, we are leaving. <laughs> With the, that weather deal, okay? Yeah. So I got it. Yeah. yeah. So I need to exercise and I need to do certain things uh, or else I, I can go in the tank. And so, uh, and you were in that tank, that rut. And, and I think so many listeners uh, can relate to that. Um, so what, you know, what tangible things forward to give people this possibility of, of considering, you know, um, yeah. that there's, is it local to the state, you know, and what, it, you know, what is the, is there a foundation? Is there anybody to, if they just want to donate money to this story? Sure, sure. Um, that's a great question. I don't know if I had the best answers to um, donating money. Um, but I'm sure with a quick Google search, you can find out, I mean, uh, National Kidney Registry right. and the National Kidney Foundation um, are two great places to start. Yeah. Um, I think one thing people can do today is just make sure you are signed up to be an or, or, a deceased organ donor. Right. Your license. Um, I mean, you know, that's, that's not for everyone. Um, I think it should be for everyone, but that's just my personal feeling. Um, but you know, there's, there's, um, no better way to, to get life. I think they say that you can save seven lives with your body when you die. And in Washington, I just checked on my driver's license. So if you're curious about in Washington, I was curious. So I looked in my wallet and it, it's going to say donor with a heart on it on yep. your license. So if you don't know, uh, here in Washington, at least, uh, any listeners in Washington, uh, just pull out your license and, and it'll be on there. And, and I assume 
you probably just go to the Department of Licensing online and and update your preference would, would be that would be an easy step to take to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're doing too, just talking about people's stories out there, you know, realizing how hard it must be for people who need a kidney to reach out and have such a big ask out there um, and supporting those people in that big ask. So amplifying their voice and letting people know about it and supporting people who are considering doing the donating. Uh, you know, donating, it's not for everyone, but if you think it may be your thing, you know, uh, as much as we can normalize this idea, the better. And so talking about it on platforms like this, I think is really helpful too. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, gosh, this has been such an awesome conversation and a beautiful story. And I really love the way that um, you kind of just put it where you were feeling in a rut and that this has given you kind of a new perspective on life. Is there anything else that you want to share kind of about that piece about just this new perspective? I, I don't know. It's just hard. It's just hard to put in words. Um, it really, I mean, in the video that you'll post, they have me saying it's a gift a lot, um, but it really does feel that way. Um, the whole process felt like a gift. I, I felt like um, I needed connection. I needed peace. And I, I felt like the door was opened to that, you know, and now I, I have this, this person out there who used to be a stranger that I share uh, the most unique of uh, visceral connections with. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't have a, a, she lives far away. We don't have a close relationship, but I get updates every now and then. And we had a Zoom call for our one-year kidney anniversary and I you know it's kind of it's kind of that that trans it's a it's an emotion that's hard to describe sort of like being a parent is you know it's hard to describe the emotions and feelings you have as a parent when you look at your kids and this is I'm, I, she's not my kid I'm not it's not a direct relationship but there's something just hard to express that that feels similar that's a deep, meaningful connection. And yeah, I get to just have this sense in sense of joy knowing that she's out there just living her life. And how awesome is that? That's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. So, I keep saying that. Beautiful. It's just it such is. a beautiful <laughs> the world. The world needs more Hendrix. Uh, I mean, that's just that's everything that you're saying, I think, is such a, a possibility. You know, uh, we talk about hope on here sometimes. I think we had a podcast of the bit of bill when we talk about hope and this idea to kind of, you talk about it in a bigness, you know, you know, it takes a process, but just to demand of our soul, this uh, possibility of the greatest possible outcome in the yeah. middle of the darkest sometimes of times is what you drew from. I would define as hope and you took decisive action. And because you did, a hundred percent match was made almost the impossible was achieved but because you had hope you know which is this 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 quality that causes one to take decisive action and i mean it's we could talk about it makes a great t-shirt right it, it it makes a great instagram post you know and somebody oh have hope you know but like to take the action 
is what is so impressive to me about you, Hendrik. Um, and, and I'm humbled to hear your story. Uh, and I know our listeners are, are getting a gift. Adrian talks about a gift. They're getting a gift listening to your heart in this. And, and uh, my hope is that my hope, which is this greatest possible outcome, is that people are moved to take decisive action based on hearing your story. And we will pump this thing as hard as we can. <laughs> Thanks. I, I really appreciate the kind words. And um, I, I just hope people can relate in whatever way is appropriate to them and find your own way to make a difference. I, I, don't, feel, um, I don't feel that special or different. And um, I, I think there's something like this out there for everyone. You know, if it's not a kidney, I think it's something else. And uh, I, I think there's people all over who are doing incredible things. And uh, I was just happy to find my one thing in this particular situation. So, <laughs> And it's going to be different. I think what you say so good there is it's going to be, it may, it may not be donate a kidney and it, and it may not be, you know, just the organ donor, but something, some, some spark, you know, of possibility. Uh, yeah. You, you, you know, and you're, you know, when you don't recognize it, like, like you're saying, like when you don't, that's often uh, a sign that um, in my experience that like you're on absolutely the right track, like that, that it actually is when people say, they think they tell you that that's how it's supposed to be, that, they, you know, listen to my story, et cetera, et cetera. It's usually not as transformative as, as, as it is when somebody's like, you know, I just showed up and took the shot, you know, I was, you yeah. know, the guy. Yeah. Got Osama bin Laden. He's like, I just walked up the stairs, did my job, and pulled the trigger three times, and we went home. You know. <laughs> so. We have listeners that range from teenagers all the way up to grandparents. So, if you had one thing that you wanted everyone to know, what would that one thing be? Uh, one thing you want people to know, just that I think the best part of life is just those few moments they don't come along often when you feel like there is a reason you're you right mm-hmm. and and when those moments come along you gotta grab a hold of them and so yeah i encourage everyone to do the same that's awesome that's awesome yeah well thank you so much for being here if anybody has any questions specifically for you how do they how can they get in touch with you yeah they can reach out on facebook um yeah, they can send me a message there. And if um, anyone has questions about the process, I'm probably not the most uh, knowledgeable person. I can give you my own personal experience and I'm happy to do that. Um, but there are a lot of better resources online. Great. Well, thank you so much for being with us. This was a joy and a privilege. And thank you. It's so great to see you again, Adrian. And really nice to meet you, John. You too. I can't wait. I- Come see in New York. That's that's well, we're gonna get that. Yeah. Well, let's do New York. But I'm I'm dreaming now about that camping trip. So yeah, please, can we make that happen? I would love that'd be the best. Would love it. My brother would love it. Got to get your your brothers. They put awesome. it on me, and I you know I think we can, <laughs> I think we can get that. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. It means so much when you leave us a review and share with your friends. Bye.